This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Hello, friends, and welcome back to the WOMED. Well, it has been quite the last couple weeks, I'd say, since all of the news of COVID broke more like a couple months, but you know, since it's really started hitting us here in the States. While I'm no longer at the bedside, I have been keeping up with all of you and how hard you have been working along with the conditions under which you have all been working. Those of you with families, social distancing yourselves in your own home, having to reuse or make your own PPE, it's very evident how unprepared we are for this crisis. I really want to encourage you guys to keep talking about it. Keep sharing the conditions under which you've been working. Keep posting it on social media and let your voices and the truth be heard because that's the only way that people are going to stop hoarding masks and toilet paper and hand sanitizer and the CDC will make moves to get you guys the equipment and stuff that you need. Maybe it's not the CDC. Maybe it's the government. I don't know. But someone will pay attention and someone will listen and you will get the equipment that you guys need to keep yourself safe while you're trying to keep everyone else safe. It's kind of a ramble, but um, my hope for the WOMED is for it to be a place to bring you some relief, a place to zone out and listen to new discussions, um, learn about new people. I just want to keep sharing people's stories. So on this week's episode of The WOMED, I've interviewed the tenacious Amy Hara. Amy is a physician's assistant who is on a mission to build hospitals all over the world to serve vulnerable children and their communities. She started OVI, otherwise known as OVI, Children's Hospital in Western Kenya, and I'm so excited for you to hear about Amy's story and how she's integrated the community with her hospital. I had the luck of meeting Amy in person to record this podcast and hear firsthand the story of Ovi, and I'm so excited to share that with you guys. All right, guys, it's time for the Nurse D Energy Moment of the Week. This week's Nurse D Energy Moment comes from Nicole. She's an RN DNP student and DM'd me a bit ago because, let's face it, I asked for some more DMs and... Nicole DM'd me and she said, I had my first week of clinical as a midwifery student. I was able to help patients with contraception options and STI screenings. I did my first pap smear and felt a lot of pregnant bellies. I was so nervous, but my preceptor was encouraging and patient with me. I can't wait for next week. Congrats, Nicole. I don't know the current state of DMP programs with COVID right now, but hopefully it's all still going well with you. An amazing preceptor is such a treasure. Keep it up. I also wanted, just with the state of everything right now in this world, I wanted to give a huge shout out and heartfelt thank you to every one of you working and testing and treating people with COVID right now. These situations you guys are forced into right now with such a major lack of PPE equipment is abhorrent. There will be an end in sight. Keep fighting the good fight. Thank you for all of your hard work and sacrifices. I know this isn't easy, but I just a huge thank you from me. I really want this to be about our people. I want it to be about more than just my face. I want it to be about our children. I want it to be about how many people in this room have actually transformed the lives of these children. So if you have been to Ovi, raise your hand or stand up, do something. Yeah, so you can see. So many amazing people have come out, and I think you could say, when you see these children, it really does change your life, right? Like, it's easy to just see pictures of kids and, and feel that emotion of sadness or guilt, like you need to give, but when you meet these children, it goes so far beyond that, really, right? You don't want to just save their life, you don't want to just give them medicine, you want to give them a future, and that's what Ovi is all about. When I went to Kenya, I thought that it was just going to be, you know, me holding a lot of babies and and personally saving the lives of these children with whatever medical skills I could scoop up. And um, God has just turned it into something completely different than what I imagined. And I love 
just to share this kind of newer story because I was ashamed of it for a really long time. Like I said, I kind of had this this breakthrough story that I think everyone has, and it's like, oh, well, I was a pageant girl, and I was this, and then I did this, and, and now I'm in Africa, and I save babies, and all of that is behind me. That's kind of how I felt, and that's what I felt like I had to say. Um, but actually, God was crafting this from the very beginning, because even though I live in Africa, and even though I love rocking babies, my life looks really different. OV is really about doing things on a big scale. It's about empowering other people. Um, we believe in the life of every single child, but we started paying attention. We started seeing how well these widows were holding their babies. I'm not a widowed mother. Um, I have I have a child who has lost, um, of course, our, our Lilo lost her mother when she was one month old, but these women have endured tragedy firsthand. They've raised children through tragedy, and they hold these babies with empathy, and they rock them with empathy, and they are the experts of our children. We've been able to bring them in, and not only are they rocking these babies, they're reunited with their families because they have the income. It's amazing. Welcome back to the WOMED. I'm your host, Danielle Mulpey, and today I'm here live with Amy Hera. I'm saying that right, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Okay, awesome. She's the CEO and founder of OV Children's Hospital in Western Kenya, as well as a PA with a background in pediatrics, oncology, and NICU. I love NICU so much. <laughs> um, I just can't wait to dive into your story and, and vision. So thank you for coming on. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. <laughs> Yay! It's so great. I just have to say, like, a real quick shout out to whoever, um, I'm sorry, I can't remember who message me about you, but they're like, you need to go and check out Amy's story and everything that she's doing. Like, I just feel like she'd really resonate well with the WOMED and strong women with vision. So I'm very, very thankful to finally meet you. Yes, thank you. Um, So I always like to dive in kind of with uh, what your educational background was. I don't think we've had a PA on yet. So I'm very excited. You're our first PA. Amazing. Yes. (laughs) Yes. So So, yeah. Like what, um, what made you want to be a physician's assistant? Yeah, absolutely. So I originally was going the the pre-med path and Mm -hmm. I went over to Kenya just to see, um, because the entire reason for medicine was this vision, this mission um, of going and reaching these vulnerable children. And I saw the urgency um, mm-hmm. and I knew I didn't want to be in school for 30 years. And so yes. going over there, I met these people called clinical officers. It's a yeah. kind of like a mid-level, which yeah. is, I hate that term, position in, in Kenya. And mm-hmm. I was like, I wonder if we have anything like that in the U.S. Because yeah. I'm from a very small town in Kentucky. And so yeah. um, I really didn't know what a PA was. I had one. Mm-hmm. I, I was in a car accident and fractured my neck when I was 18 and I actually went to a PA. I had no idea. Oh my God. Um, but yeah, it was actually being in Kenya and meeting the clinical officers there that had me exploring for faster ways to get to Kenya with a degree that could, oh, that could wow. still do everything that yeah. I wanted to do. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. So then um, when did you actually first go to Kenya? When I was 20 years old, so okay. um, seven years ago, yeah. Oh, wow. And that was primarily just for like a like, um, like a religious-like mission trip or were you going? It was total exploration. Oh, um, wow. Yeah, cool. I, felt, I felt the call um, just as simple as pulling a question out of head. If you could do anything with your life, what would it be and why? And I answered mm-hmm. that question um, that I would love to go and find – vulnerable children and give them the medical treatment that they need. And, um, it was such a, just a, I always laugh a pageant girl answer. I had been first in pageants. I knew the Mm onstage question and that was in my heart, but I didn't know it was, I'd never pursued that. And someone just said, well, why aren't you doing that? And I was so convicted. I dropped my major. I didn't know what medicine meant. There's not even a nurse or a doctor, anything in my entire family tree that I know. What was your, um, major before that? Um, I did broadcasting. Okay. Yeah. I was, I loved public speaking. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought about speech therapy a little bit. Um, but yeah, I was just completely, what, like, what is medicine? What goes into this? And I had been a straight A student and I was mm-hmm. like, oh, well, you know, this is fine. I'm in the honors college. I have a 4.0. It can't be that bad. Yeah. What's pre-med? That's for smart people. I'm smart. <laughs> and I remember I failed a class the first semester. I was like, yeah. oh my word. Like mm-hmm. I am, I am not only am I not 
gifted at this, but I'm yeah. failing at this. Like, and I, oh, I don't wow. like to fail at anything. Yeah. Um, and so I was like, God, like, how could you have me doing something, you know, that, that I'm not gifted in? Like, don't you mm-hmm. gift people in what you want them to do? And I just remember finding my confidence in the fact that like, this degree was going to enable me to access these children. And yeah. whether I was the best or the worst clinician there ever was, like getting to know their names, getting to know their diseases and to pray over them. And, and those specific things was going to be a gift and God was going to figure out the rest. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Okay. So school was not that easy. <laughs> it was not easy. It was not easy. It got better. I'm, yeah. I'm very, um, I'm, I feel like I'm emotionally intelligent. Like, and when I can see my patients, yes. it's like I remember yeah. the drugs that were sitting next to them. I remember being mm-hmm. on tests, and because of like a clinical experience, I could remember like the drugs and the doses because I I put it with the person, yes. the the chemistry, yeah. and like all of the the prereqs, I guess, for medicine. That was like that was my hardship. I, that's oh, something yeah. like out of everything I've been through in Africa and everywhere, like that was my sacrifice. That was my hardship was like yeah. getting through that pre-medical. But once mm-hmm. I got to the place where it was patient centered and, and the emotions yeah. were involved, that's when school became. Yeah. You can like apply, yeah. you apply it to, you apply all your knowledge to practice. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. Cause nursing school is not easy. No, no. <laughs> I literally, I don't know how I made it through there. Exactly. I think I, I like a B minus, B plus, sometimes C. Yeah. (laughs) And, but that doesn't negate the fact that you're an amazing provider. You know, it's just, yeah. No one in my class had. Yeah. By the grace of God, I was able to get through PA, PA school very well. But it was, you know, that was, that was a struggle. And I I like to be open and honest about that because I feel Mm -hmm. like there's so many people out there who feel like, you know, oh, I can't go into medicine. I can't even sit for this interview because I have. Um, you know, I don't have a 4.0 and there were many people, there are people who got in my class who had 4.0s mm-hmm. and they had interviewed five times before they got in. And I had two wow. Fs on my transcript. I still had like a 3.7. I was from honors yeah. college, you know, I worked hard to get things to where they looked impressive, but ultimately I had bloopers that a lot of people think I've failed a class now. No one will ever look at me. And I did apply to one PA school and I got in because mm-hmm. my passion and yeah. my heart and my drive, I was yeah. like, you know, they're like, how do we know you won't fail again? I was like, because I have the faces of these children. Yeah. And, and they haunt me and I will reach them and I will access them. And PA school is the way I'm going to do that. And so I really, um, as much as I'd love to be prideful and pretend like, you know, oh, I was always this and this. Mm-hmm. I, I love to share that portion of my story just yeah. for the one person that it hits who's already exactly. given up that dream so that maybe they'll go back and try again. Maybe they'll um, have the confidence to sit down and know it doesn't matter what blooper I have on my transcript or, mm-hmm. or what deficit that I think I have. Like if I'm called to this, then I need to pursue it. Yeah. Well, some of um, the greatest minds in our history have failed. Yeah. You know, failure is a part of growth. Failure is a part of the the journey to to get to where you're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, if you've never known failure, you you just, I don't think you have the same respect or like appreciation oh, absolutely. for it. Like once you attain it, mm-hmm. you know, I completely agree. Wow, guys. Anyone else worried about gaining the COVID-19? Remember the freshman 15? It's kind of like that. We're all doing our effort to social distance and self-quarantine. Let's also try to keep ourselves as active as possible within four walls, make educated choices when shopping for quarantine meals. Let's take this time to continue to provide ourselves self-care. Now, that doesn't look the same for everyone, but if your self-care includes health goals, what do those look like for you? Noom has an incredible health goal-related community. Not necessarily scale-based goals, but maybe your goal is to learn why we make the food choices we do and how they affect our bodies. Noom adjusts to your lifestyle and teaches you the psychology behind the decisions you make and helps you keep track of your exercise and steps. Your personal coach analyzes your diet as well and will recommend healthy recipes. Now, personally, I have the biggest sweet tooth. I've talked about this, and anyone I work with knows that if I have a bag of Sour Patch Kids, chances are I definitely have something chocolate because I like balance. My main goal with Noom and my goal specialist is to work on making healthier choices more easily, to understand my thought patterns, and gain a stronger sense of self-worth to combat stress and anxiety. And this app is so user-friendly. 
And it really helps me keep myself accountable because I'm the one logging my meals and how much I've exercised for the week. Noom is based in psychology. It teaches you why you do the things you do and empowers you with the tools you need to break bad habits and replace them with better ones. It doesn't tell you what to do and what not to do. It teaches you how to look inside your own mind to make better decisions for yourself. Now, you don't have to change it all in one day. That rarely ever works. Small steps make for big progress. Sign up for your trial today at Noom. That's N-O-O-M dot com slash WOMED. What do you have to lose? Visit Noom.com slash WOMED to start your trial today. Once more, that's N-O-O-M dot com slash WOMED. When did you start uh, OV? So OV, I'm tra- t- 2016 mm-hmm. was when we became, January of 2016 was when okay. we became a nonprofit. And we actually opened the doors of the hospital two years ago on December 1st. Oh my god! So yeah, we just hit two years. <laughs> That's so exciting. Yeah. And how many children do you see normally? Oh, we keep about, our capacity right now is around 80. Um, And we're usually really close to around that. We can shift down as as low as 50 sometimes, but it's been a really long time. So we're probably around 60 to 80. Um, But then we also go and and reach kids in the communities and try Mm -hmm. to keep them from having to be admitted. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So you have um, like clinical workers... Uh, do you have like clinical officers that you employ mm-hmm. through the hospital that kind of do community outreach or? Yeah, we, we go and do, we do the rescues, we do the field medicine. Um, we bring in specialists. It's, it's a f- fully staffed hospital. So everything you could think of like dietitians and nurses and th- wow. physios, like, yeah, absolutely everything. And are they all, I mean, are they people that have like moved from America like, like you did, or are they um, local yeah. Kenyans. Our entire clinical staff is Kenyan. So, I love yes, that. Yes, so, I love that so much. Yeah, even Rob and I have gone into very administrative positions. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I very much work as CEO of the hospital. I love to practice. Yeah. I'm passionate about the rescues, like going out. Yeah. That's where the emotional intelligence comes in, like going yes. out, seeing these children. They can't speak. They have no one to speak for them. Mm-hmm. But you can figure out like if they're feeling well or if something's wrong or something's off. And um I love to go out and do the rescues. That's my passion. Like, yeah. of course, our locals are completely capable of doing it too, but I love to do it. Um, yeah. So enabling the locals to do what they do best, to build mm-hmm. a hospital that's Kenyan run. We're, mm-hmm. we're so passionate about that, but it is a treat to go out and, and well, do yeah. the film medicine as well. Well, that I feel like that would just continue to oh, yeah. renew like your passion and stuff Absolutely. in it, you know, remind you of, mm-hmm. of why you're doing it. Yeah. Every, every single child, you think that you've seen the worst thing you could ever see or mm-hmm. um, that your heart just couldn't possibly hold one more person and then you go out and it's, yeah. <laughs> it starts all over again every time. Well, it's such a beautiful little family. I feel like it at OV. Yeah. So it's, is it, correct me if I'm wrong, is it an orphanage that's like attached with a hospital or is it a hospital first and then you guys take in some kids too? Yeah, so it's a hospital for orphans and vulnerable children. Okay. Um, So a lot of the orphans and vulnerable children, they do happen to have these long-term illnesses. A lot of mm-hmm. children are abandoned because of their disabilities, because yeah. of their illnesses. Do you think they're um, abandoned more because like parents can't afford that care or is it more, um, I know there's like, there's still a belief that like some of the children are cursed yeah, or. Yeah, exactly. There's um, a lot of tribal belief that still mm-hmm. goes on. Exactly. And, um, you know, children who have been through a maternal death, yeah. Um, there's trauma related to that. Mm-hmm. And of course there's a health concern that took the life of the mother. Yeah. Um, so it's very cyclical, but we also, we take in children to prevent them from becoming orphans. That's something that we think if we can keep a child from going into an orphanage or into an institution, we know that they can live a healthier life. Nothing. We love orphanages. We love institutions, um, for what they do, but we'd love for them to be out of business too. We love right. for these right. children to end up in families, to end up healthier. Um, and so the infant protection program, a lot of these children we take in solely for the purpose of keeping them out of institutions, mm-hmm. nourishing them because a lot of yeah. fathers can't afford to buy the formula. Yeah. It's expensive. Even for it us, is. it's expensive yeah. to buy the formula, yeah. but giving them that 
safe space where their children can be raised, vaccinated, um, mm-hmm. given the nutrition that they need, and then they get to bond with them over a period of time, yeah. stabilize, mourn their losses, and then bring those children back home. Um, That's really beautiful. And I think I think it's also I think it's divine, um, the, the synchronicity of everything. But mm-hmm. we do get a lot of children who we found out they have cerebral palsy or we found out yeah. they have sickle cell anemia. And so we brought them in yeah. for protection, but then they actually ended up having these ailments as well. Mm-hmm. And so um, I do I do think our NICU survivors, of course, are at risk for so much more. So that program really yeah. gives us the ability to identify things when maybe even in America, someone wouldn't find out until, yeah. you know, five years later about a diagnosis. But because we have that intimate relationship with these children and we have that mm-hmm. program, we've been able to start the care and prevention yeah. really early. Because so that was one of my first trips to Kenya. Um that was like one of my biggest things. Like I, w- I, I remember looking around at some of the different patients I was seeing and I was like, I don't see anyone here that's special needs. Yeah. Like there's no, like there's no even like a club foot. There's no um, anyone that looks like they have any sort of like developmental illness. And I'm really sorry if I'm using the incorrect verbiage there, no. but I mean like it's not like most things you can't like physically yeah, depict yeah. about someone, but I'm like... There's no spina bifida. There's no, and I was, I had to like really think, I was like, is this something that just doesn't particularly affect? But I'm like, no, like, I I mean, like I see kids with um, this all the time in Mm -hmm. in the States. So, and I started asking and and at first they didn't really want to open up about, Mm -hmm. no, like those kids aren't, you know, like they didn't really want to say like, well, a lot of the times like they're left Uh and I was just devastated. I was like, but then I thought more about it. I'm like, a lot of these <clears throat> villages just don't have the resources mm-hmm. and like don't know that like this child can still have a fulfilling life. Yeah. You know, exactly. So when I heard that you take in like these vulnerable children, you have speech therapy, you have physical therapy. Mm. I, I, I'm <laughs> trying not to get emotional right now thinking about it, but it's like, you're really helping to kind of change the mindset and like, and teach people that Mm -hmm. know like these kids can have a future. They can Mm -hmm. have like a quality of life. And that's so, that's so special. (laughs) I, I, it really is incredible. And I, I was the same way. I'd never seen these children. And so when I, mm-hmm. even when I went over there, I developed an entire hospital, purchased the building, yeah. furnished it, yeah. and still didn't know that I was going to find children with disabilities. I was mm-hmm. like, oh, they must die in the first few years of life. But actually yeah. finding that some of these kids are physically, as we speak, stuffed in closets waiting to be found. Yeah, And like going out and, and being an advocate for them and, mm-hmm. and showcasing their stories and letting see, people see the example of how other people in the world are reacting to their <clears> stories. And mm-hmm. them overcoming, and um, I mean, if you walk through our hospital, it's it's pretty incredible to see um, the transitions. But like when you bring the children in, we do we do cloth diapering because yeah. one thing almost every child is comes in either bedridden or incontinent mm-hmm. because a lot of them are even just kept in, like I said, like in closets or, or, you know, the care, even at an institution, even at the best orphanage, it's hard to take care of a hundred kids. So the kid in the corner who can't move, you know, there's going to be ailments that go along with that. So Mm -hmm. what we try to do is find those children with those disabilities and get their activities of daily life up to enough to where I don't care if it's clapping their hands or blinking their eyes, like teaching them how to communicate to where they can advocate for themselves um, to where they're not at risk in these institutions. A lot Mm -hmm. of times they come in highly malnourished they well, yeah. they can't remind people to feed them yeah. um, and if something happens and gets caught up or mm-hmm. you know a hundred other babies are crying then it's it's easy for them to get left behind and so letting them become their own advocates yes is such, and what I love too is seeing parents and families and communities who had no idea what to do with these children and then they come and visit them mm-hmm. maybe they wait six months or so and they haven't yeah. seen them and they see the transition and they're excited to take them home you know they're that's excited so to have beautiful. them back yeah um, and that's what feels like a success to me is mm-hmm. not just like okay well I drop off my child and I you know now they're a part of this but actually being like oh wow they can communicate now they can walk yeah. now um and seeing people get excited about that and and mm-hmm. opening their eyes to the possibilities for these children is one of one of the biggest things that's really incredible mm-hmm. and i 
it's just so important. And like, that's, I know it's really big, like even just with like the foster care systems and stuff here in America mm-hmm. is really trying to keep the families together exactly. and do you offer, um, do you then like train the parents, like, like parent training, like teaching and stuff with these are exercises that you need to do with them every day. This is like, mm-hmm. you know, like discharge teaching. Yeah. You know? We have an amazing social work team that kind of keeps base on everything. Wonderful. And then the clinical yeah. team, we always make sure because oh, they become like our children. You know, my husband yeah. and I actually live in the hospital. And so yeah. we could never send a child away knowing that they would just go back to the way that they were. Right. So we try to right. be really, really vigilant mm-hmm. on um, getting the parents excited about the care. We really evaluate the situation they're going mm-hmm. back into. Um, but it's always it's always a happy day, even when it's yeah. hard and even when we're attached. It's always a happy day to see these children wanted and mm-hmm. see them um, going back into the communities. And yeah. um, and they come back for follow-ups and visits and, mm-hmm. you know, their, their general medical care. And it's it's just a gift. It's really a gift to see those, see those transitions and the families who carry it on. Yeah. Oh my God. That's so cool. Okay. So what is, um, a day in the life at your hospital? Like, yeah. Wow. It's, (laughs) it's, it's so unique. It's hard to even describe it. Um, so the place is just filled. It's filled with, the most beautiful children. If you go to the long-term care. Mm-hmm. Um, and what types of kids are in like your long-term care? Facility? A lot of the disabled children are mm-hmm. up there, kids with chronic illnesses. Um, mm-hmm. If you come and you were to visit, like that's where everyone loves to spend time. Yeah. Uh, they're themed like Disneyland. So we have the Enchanted Tiki Room. We have yeah. It's a Small World, Sleeping Beauty's Castle. We have Paradise Falls. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's magical. And I hate to say that because it's not so cheesy, <laughs> but we've tried to make it the most magical place possible yeah. for them in their well, scenarios. it's so scary. And, yeah. It's, it's scary for kids. You know, you're, you're not in your normal environment. So mm-hmm. I think that element that you've added to your hospital is just uh, really, it's, it's so endearing for, for children. Thank you. I love it. Um, and I have a lot of it to owe to the local staff who's agreed to come in and work at a hospital. It's not normal for a teacher to go and teach at a bedside, you know, but every single child, unless they are critically ill to Mm -hmm. the point of, you know, we even pull kids out of class for IV medications. Like kids love to go to school. They love to learn. Um, It's not that, that culturally is very different. Children want to be in school. Like some of the biggest heartache is not being able to go to school, not being able to read. Mm -hmm. They, they understand the potential there. And so giving the kids the opportunity. Um, they go to school every day. They all go to physical therapy every day. They love yeah. getting their massages. <laughs> and, um, we have like a little home theater. We just mm-hmm. started like a, we put in a new tech room where they can sit and like call their sponsors. Um, oh, we do neat. like uh, music therapy. So we have speakers mm-hmm. across the hospital and we play music all day. It really is amazing. And of course, on the first floor, you know, there's critical care and those yeah. kids you know, you have codes, you have things that happen at every hospital. Um, and we're proud of that too, but, uh, you know, the response, having a ventilator is huge. You know, that's not something that's normal in our area. We have two vents. So, wow. Okay. Yeah. But even in our, you'd have to drive like three or four hours to get to that. So, um, things like that. It's amazing. So for me, I, I'm a huge entrepreneur. I work a lot mm-hmm. at night. I still do a lot yeah. of the social media and the networking. And yeah. um, I go downstairs and we don't have bedtime. It's like, <laughs> it's kind of bad, but like, it's kind of like summer camp. The kids will sit around and tell yeah. stories and um, they'll come up to my house and, and draw pictures. It's, it's, I feel like everything you, you just, you learn you just learn to believe in God. You really, really do yeah. because um, even even for me, my vision is to put these hospitals all over the world. And yeah. we don't have a lot of children who are able to draw and do. and um, But the ones who do, we really try to give, give them that. Mm-hmm. And the boys um, in the Tiki Room are all very talented artists. Oh, neat. But the thing they want to draw is hospitals. It's so bizarre because they sit around every day and they draw these hospitals. And I joke yeah. that I have I have the plans for like all 888 you all the, hospitals. You have all the blueprints ready yeah. for you because so, your kids are drawing all of them. Yeah. So it, it really is amazing. The the daily activities, um, it's, it's about to look different in 2020 because mm-hmm. we have um, in a way – 
shifted things to where we want more people to get involved and more people to get inspired. Um, the original yeah. goal was to run one single hospital, but now we really believe in the currency of inspiration of, mm -hmm. of getting other people to do really great yeah. things in the world. And so we've made it to where people, medical and non-medical both can come in and, and do trips and have these experiences. Yeah. And so all of 2020 is mapped out to where people can come and actually do the activities with the children. And so yeah. that, that'll look very different too, is, um, having these different themed groups mm -hmm. coming in all throughout the year. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's ever evolving, but, um, but it's, it's beautiful. It's a, it's a, I've never woke up and not wanted to work, which I yeah. think is a gift. That's really special. <laughs> so like what all, what all units and stuff do you have in the hospital? Yeah. So we have our, our NICU and the child mm -hmm. protection program. We have, um, a cerebral palsy unit. Mm -hmm. We have a unit for epilepsy. Uh, we have, um, the critical care unit, the acute care unit. We do outpatient care. Um, oh, wow. we also take cancer patients. We're just mm -hmm. now going to build on a operating room and a cancer hematology unit and an That's extended going NICU. That's to be huge yes. there. We're so excited. We're so excited. Um, I'm so passionate about pediatric oncology. Like I mm -hmm. said, I do a ton of the admin work and, and entrepreneurship, but God put oncology on my heart for sure. Yeah. From the time I was a child, my mom has battled cancer my entire life and even recently, even more so. Um, but the fact that that passion has come to life has been so huge because when I first had this vision, people are like cancer in Africa, because it's not something you hear about. You hear about mm -hmm. all these, as it's I call the it, HIV, like, AIDS yeah, prevention. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like the dime disease is like give a dime mm -hmm. and save a life. And yeah. cancer is not that way over there. It's very, no. very expensive. So, um, that's where I really get into the heart of like, it's not just about numbers. It's about mm -hmm. life. It's about potential. And I don't care yeah. if it costs $10,000 to treat this child. Like they have the right to fight too. Yeah. Um, and finding those complex, expensive cases and still not turning them away because of budget or because of resources, but developing those resources mm -hmm. so that cancer isn't a death sentence. It, yeah. it shouldn't be a death sentence. Right. Children are so resilient. They um, are. That's why oh they're my Lord. favorite population to work with. Yes, they're they're so resilient and and getting especially to see NICU. What <laughs> yes, the NICU is amazing, is it not? Like, it is because I, literally all those kids know is to survive. They know yeah. suck, swallow, breathe. Like I know I need food. I know I need to breathe. Mm -hmm. and I know I need someone to love me. Yeah, like absolutely. that's three easy things. Yeah, and and watching children who were two pounds just up and walking and healthy. And you mm -hmm. just wonder like, you know, what if, and, and it's, yeah. uh, yeah, it's one of the most rewarding things that make you so beautiful. What's the earliest, um, like gestation you've seen in your NICU? Oh my word. I'm trying to think. Do, do women come and like deliver there ever or? We don't, we don't have deliveries, but okay. we have, um, a lot of the hospitals will bring them directly to us. So I mm -hmm. think, we are still lower on the prenatal care. So some women don't know how far along they are. Yeah, And yeah. so I, I really don't actually know. I don't know the earliest, but we have, um, we have had babies who were weighing just barely two pounds. So yeah. It's still very small. And Oh, wow. Yeah. Do you have, um, so you have a vent. Uh, well, you have a couple vents. Mm -hmm. Do you have like CPAP or like Mm -hmm. CPAP and BiPAP both too. Oh so, my yeah. God. That makes me so happy. Because <laughs> some of the hospital, well, one of the hospitals I've worked with um, in Western Kenya is also has like a working on building like a operating theater and stuff there oh, too amazing. so that they can do C-sections. They have a little, um, it's definitely not like a transport isolate, but they do have an isolate there. Oh, yeah. um, if they and, and they have like the ability to get someone there to take it to one of the mm -hmm. bigger hospitals and stuff. But, um, yeah, just like, I mean, like, but they don't have, they don't have vents. They don't have, you know, yeah, it's tough things like that. Like I've been to a couple of deliveries and assisted in those and I'm like, okay, um, I really could use some deep suction yeah. <laughs> and yeah. like what happens to those babies that like, you know, you need to, you need to intubate and like suction their airway quick. Yeah. Um, and there's like just always only so much that you can do. Mm -hmm. So just knowing that like you guys do have that resource there, it just 
That's amazing. Uh-huh. So you have all these trips and stuff planned and mm-hmm. like th- like immersions for people that want to come and volunteer and give their time. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you how do you protect like the children in that like from being like a oh my god I'm here on the Snapchat story look at yeah, me I'm doing all exactly, this good exactly you know we've put a ton of thought into it um, yeah. that's one of my passions not just to protect even the children but to protect very innocent people who are trying yeah. to do the right thing yeah um so whenever you come the very first time that people go on a trip with us it's very mm-hmm. much like we're very open like we're going to take you to experience our entire culture so people right. go on a safari they get mm-hmm. to meet the locals and then they come in and we have six different units and every yeah. single day someone's assigned a different unit where they mm-hmm. get to go and do these scheduled activities with the kids the activities okay. are you know gone through by all of our staff by all the medical team make sure that every child is is protected and um because it is hard and even in in good intentions i know even my myself, you could go and hold one baby the entire day for, for six weeks and you feel attached to that baby, but then there's not the same amount of arms to go and hold that baby. And there, there is that, that trauma and that Mm -hmm. separation. And so we just, um, we try to keep people as educated as possible. Mm -hmm. Um, we we're all about making, um, making it a true, impact because I know I went on a lot of mission trips where maybe it was centered so much on me as Mm -hmm. the guest, um, you know, with intentions of, of help helping us become sponsors and partners. But then in the long term, you kind of know, like it kind of makes this pit in your stomach that you could have hurt a child. And so just making people aware Mm -hmm. of why we do what we do, giving them the outline. Um, but our children are, we're really proud. They have very healthy attachments. Um, but okay, there's a way good. of doing it yeah. and there were, there's a way of not doing it. So mm. like, I know there's sometimes like giving candy and things like just, just people coming and asking the right questions because, yeah. um, you know, to get a lollipop every day for three weeks and then to never have a lollipop again, yeah. like that's a hard thing for yeah. a kid. Um, so we're just all about being open and honest and, mm-hmm. and child centered. Um, yeah. And I think that the right people who come really do appreciate that aspect yeah. of it. Yeah. Um, so it's it's different, but the the first trip is shorter. Mm-hmm. I, and I think that's important. And as people come and they do the short trip, then they yeah. can come back and do the longer trips as well. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's neat. Yeah. I just, I feel like there's, um, there's this whole, I don't want to call it a movement or like a, concept because it's like a very real thing but like mm-hmm. the whole white savior mentality yes. and protecting like these communities mm-hmm. and these children and it's something that like I'm I had never fully thought about until mm-hmm. someone was like telling me about it and I'm like oh my god no this is this is so true yeah. like why are we going and you know just like taking selfies with these kids like what are what's like our our thought process behind that exactly you know and like how to protect the kids and like really show like these aren't just like poor people we're helping like Mm -hmm. these these are people that live like very full lives Mm -hmm. but we're you know like you guys are offering medical care that they wouldn't otherwise have access to Mm -hmm. but you're employing Kenyans Mm -hmm. you know you're employing the people so like that money that they're getting from that is in turn going back into their communities and like really making a change. So like, that's why I really love what you're doing because you're taking that approach to protect the communities and show mm. everything that they're, that they're doing and capable of. It's like, this is not just some poor black woman with AIDS. Yeah. This is not some poor kid that like is mm-hmm. dirty and like malnourished, you know, like mm. you're showing the the actual people taking care of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? And I think the white savior complex movement is, it's such an important one and I am yeah. in full alignment with it. However, yeah. I think it can be used two very different yes, ways. It's kind of a double-edged sword. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I think it's so important because I have seen things done the really wrong way and then mm-hmm. I can see this becoming a crutch for people yeah. um, who feel called to something really big, but they're like, right. oh, I don't want to be a white savior and people have and demonized it. Yeah. yeah, to the point it's like where people won't even do good because mm-hmm. they're so afraid of being racist or they're so right. afraid of doing damage. And that is that is deadly mm-hmm. and that's evil. And I, I am so against um, 
we're all going to make mistakes no matter what we're doing. And I know that I made mistakes the very first time that Mm -hmm. I came in. I think I'm a prime example. I am someone who came with a bag of lollipops and had them out the window of the safari van the first trip I was there and took a bunch of pictures with children Mm -hmm. who I barely knew because it was an experience and I'd seen other people do it. But out of that has come someone who literally wants to build over 800 hospitals all over the world. You know what I mean? And who cares? Like I, I did something the wrong way. But I learned from it. And now because of that, even in in two years of time, hundreds of Kenyans have been reunited with their families. They have jobs. They're they're enabled. Their children have been taken out of orphanages because they can afford to feed them again. And the impact of that started with maybe a little, maybe a little white savior, maybe a little little tourist. (laughs) Um, But there's, there's grace for everyone. And Mm -hmm. so going, being conscious, asking questions, making sure that, um, you're not exploiting yeah. the kids, you know, and, and just you, being conscious of it, mm-hmm. I think is, is something that. And we're overcoming a lifetime of having done things the wrong way. And so sometimes yeah. Kenyans, they will tell you these sob stories and they want you to put them on, on social media because that's yeah. how they've learned. But we're also retraining them, you know, people can help without, without the devastation, like without yeah. the, the big dramatic stories, like it's yeah. okay to also focus on continuation of care. Yeah. To, and like to the focus hope on that like these communities have, yeah, exactly. you know, and like really building that Yeah, because they're, these communities are thriving. Mm-hmm. I mean, like the villages and stuff that I've worked with, there's, there's gardens everywhere. And these gardens are planted specifically with, um, plants that are, will help like build your immunity against things like AIDS, Mm -hmm. you know, and and stuff like that. Um, and just that community knowledge, you know, by leading, I feel like I'm mumbling over my words here, but that strong communities lead other strong communities, Exactly. you know, and yeah, being, being, um, intuitive, Mm -hmm. like taking time to listen and watch and, and to learn it's so important because yeah. one example where I could say the savior, the white savior complex or, um, you know, even it has nothing to do with ethnicity. People from yeah. all different backgrounds, even yeah. locals can come in and do things the wrong way. Right. Truly. Mm-hmm. Um, orphanages are a great example. I've mm-hmm. been to orphanages that they thrive on devastation yeah. um, because a lot of not just whites, but tourists or, or humanitarians will come in and they'll look for the poorest orphanage who needs mm-hmm. the most help. That's where we want to put our money. Yeah. People catch on to that. And mm-hmm. so I'll see a semi-truck of clothes come to an orphanage and then they they hide them, burn them, sell them, take them to their own families because they know that if the children are dressed nicely, then the next people who come aren't going to give money. Yeah. So we've kind of created this horrible process of, of devastation run, like tourist attractions right. of children. Right. I've seen children who local Kenyan families have come in and wanted to adopt them. And we're talking in a country where adoption is completely closed. And because that Mm -hmm. child is bringing in $30 a month from a sponsor who would probably pull their funds if their child went away, um, that child is an orphan for life because of your $30 a month. Yeah. And we don't like to look at that reality, Mm -hmm. but just understanding um, when you become a sponsor, make sure that you aren't imprisoning a child, like stay in communication with whoever you're sponsoring. Like, it's good. It's good. I've even seen it at my own hospital. People will pull their, you know, a child gets discharged into the community. Maybe Mm -hmm. that person was giving $500 a month for their care. We're still going to contact them and tell them. And a lot of times they do keep, you know, they pull their funding. They wanted it to go to that child. But giving people, we cannot hold a child in bondage to their disease in a hospital when they could be in a school, even if it means the sponsorship money. And so I challenge people, I don't care if you're giving to my hospital, if you're giving to somewhere in Bangladesh, China, wherever you want to go and sponsor, Mm -hmm. make sure that you're in communication and that you're giving the people in charge of these facilities the authority to give the child the best life. Do not let a child be captive for your $30. They deserve a family. They deserve a future. And as much Mm -hmm. as you can stay involved in getting them not just food and shelter and uh, and an education but Mm -hmm. actually getting them to the fullest possible life like stay involved stay active make sure that the 30 dollars isn't isn't 
keeping them there because I, yeah. I see that time and time again where a child yeah. is sponsored and so they're in bondage. And mm-hmm. that's a white savior thing that doesn't get like a lot of times people talk about white saviors who are there taking pictures, but even mm-hmm. those sponsorships can become that way. So yeah. I never want to scare someone from sponsoring. We need the sponsorships, right. even those orphanages. Right. Um, they, they need the funding, but enabling people to take care of children in the way that it benefits them and giving them freedom to use the sponsorships to do that. The widowed mothers, like in your speech and stuff last night, like that was such a beautiful component, I feel like of OV. So tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah. So the caregivers at our hospital are such an integral part because these children are orphaned and abandoned. Mm -hmm. And so, um, when you go to a hospital, even a children's hospital. We have cuddlers. Yeah, yeah, Mm -hmm. exactly. And, um, or, you know, parents, people who are with the children. So it's not normal to have a bunch of beds with children where no one's there. And so we don't want that either. So we actually hire the mamas. We hire people to be there to read books, to take them to sing songs, activities. Mm -hmm. We have like little church service or school and, you know, they're with them throughout the day. They're changing the diapers. They're doing the feeding. But Mm -hmm. um, the reason that we've really loved bringing in widows for those jobs is number one, their qualifications. I I won't lie. Like maybe it started as a a charity program where I'm like, oh, well, I want to help widows. You know, I want widows who can't find jobs to be able to have jobs. But Mm -hmm. what I didn't realize is how equipped they are. They've uh, they've raised children who've gone through trauma, who've lost parents. Um, They've been through that themselves. And so they're so empathetic. They hold mm-hmm. the children differently. Yeah. They're strong and they have a lot of gratitude because um, many of these women have been separated from their children. Their own children yeah. have been put in to these orphanages because they couldn't even afford to feed them. And yeah. so now they hold our children during the day. They love them. They even pick their own babies. It's like we have families. <laughs> you know, we don't assign them, but yeah. they just become close to certain children. And um because of their love for these children, they're also able to be reunited with their own children. And so we, we, we are so passionate about that. Um, we love qualifications. We love people who have the shiny degrees and, Mm -hmm. but we also try to invest and there's quirks. There's funny little things about, you know, someone, there's a difference in someone with a child development degree and someone without one or social work degree or someone who's has a first grade education, mm-hmm. but we are finding, we're, we're finding ways to enable these women and, and yeah. to empower them. You're with bringing what families back have. together and, and they, and letting them know that they're qualified for it, that yeah. they aren't just charity work. They didn't they just get purpose. this job because they're widowed and poor, but because they are experts at these children. They yeah. love these children. These children thrive with them. Like, mm-hmm. and that's such a special thing for me too. I, I always challenge people. Um, sometimes people will come and be like, oh, I just have to be there and rock these babies. Or, you know, I really am careful about how I see people fundraising. I'm like, you need yeah. to come here because you know rocking that baby is going to change your life. It's going to change your world. It's going to see, yeah. change how you see the universe and what you want to do with your day. But if you want a baby to be held, mm-hmm. one single plane ticket, one round trip plane ticket could pay a year salary for yeah. a woman to hold a baby 60 hours a week. So think yeah. about that. Like yeah. think about that's where the white savior thing, mm-hmm. we, we can really talk about that beneficially because it's like, okay, if you want a baby to be held, take $1,200, take $1,500 that you would put in this trip. You're going to put twice that in a trip with your vaccinations and everything. Exactly. And no, sit in the joy, like, oh, even go on a $500 cruise instead and sit in the joy that all that extra money is going to take care of a child 60 hours a week, things that you wouldn't even Mm -hmm. do as a That's actually like impacting the community. Yeah. And giving, you're giving a child a parent, you're giving them. And then you're giving that person purpose. Exactly. Exactly. Reuniting families changing a child's life, changing mm-hmm. that person's life. It's such a huge gift. Um, I believe in coming over. I believe in going on the trips and being mm-hmm. inspired and changing yourselves. But for people who can't and yeah. who are really uncomfortable and they're like, I just could never see myself in Africa. Don't, don't, yeah. don't, go. don't do it. You know, watch from a distance and, and know the value of enabling another person to do it Yeah, for you. you yeah. Know? It's so hard. I've seen so many people who that's have very powerful, and they take the picture and then they go and they Facetime about it or they Facebook mm-hmm. about it the whole time, and that that is hard and that is difficult. Um, mm-hmm. But there is value. There is value in the the pictures are not the problem. The pictures right. can really help, and we appreciate them. Yeah. They're done the right way. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's almost more like the captions and the verbiage along oh, with it. Yeah. And becoming a if you are someone who can speak out, if you are mm-hmm. someone 
who naturally loves to share and loves yeah. to connect, it's great. Like it doesn't mm-hmm. matter. Um, you just have to know what kind of person you are. Are you going to go and see the stories of these children and repeat them to other people? Because yeah. I know there's some of our major sponsors, some of the people who've completely changed the dynamic of our hospital and our opportunities have come from people who took a picture or told yeah. a classmate mm-hmm. or did these things. So there is power in your voice and just knowing, being so conscious of your power yeah. and um, the capacity to use your trip for good. Mm-hmm. I think going in with that mentality um, it's all self-check. It's all self-check, just like yeah. anything. Yeah. Self-check is very important. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's talk a little... Do you want to talk a little bit about your family? Yeah, absolutely. So your husband is the medical director? He is, yes. Okay. <clears throat> um, and, um, and then when did you adopt your daughter? Yes. So we met Lily. Um, she goes by Lilo. Uh, four months after we She's got incredible. Married. Oh, thank you. She is a star. She yeah. Is, she is a superstar. Mm-hmm. Um, we met her for the first time just four months after we had been married. Oh, wow. So we've been in her life. She was actually born on our wedding day. Um, best day of my well, life. Well, that's not a sign. I don't know what reasons. it is. <laughs> I know. So we were saying our vows and she was in food in the world. Yeah. But... Um, yeah, uh, it's it's just the three of us now. We have a mm-hmm. foster son who we still call our son. We um, spend the holidays with him, and we still support his education. Um, he was taken back into the system, but he did live with us up until this summer. Um, okay. So we've had him just as long as we've had Lily, and we adore him. Uh, we also, any child in the hospital who decides to adopt us, just like I said, they kind of pick characters they pick that they you. love. Yeah. When they pick us, they're always mm-hmm. welcome. Um, there's a little bit boy named Luca. He's just yeah. world famous for his blue eyes. And it's, Oh, oh my man. gosh. I've, I've, I've seen <laughs> him on gorgeous. your Instagram and I'm just like, yeah, he's Lily's best friend. So he spends like day and what night a beautiful in our house. Boy. And, <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. So we have Lilo and then we have, um, whoever chooses oh. us. Um, and it, it's a beautiful life. It's a very yeah. beautiful life. Uh, Rob is very much involved in the intricacies of our medicine and the, yeah. and the protocols and, um, I'm very into the entrepreneurship and and being with the children and being present and, Mm -hmm. um, planning the development. And so we have, we have a very, we have a very, we have a very beautiful life. And, um, I have a lot to, um, credit Rob for that. He's very, um, he's very focused on what he does, but he, he never wants to steal anything from me. He, he is so empowering. And I really believe that we need more women in the world who are able to meet their full potential because so many times I think they're held back by, by men in their lives. And I say that, you know, I know that's so controversial to say, but like my husband will let me get in a plane and fly to India for two weeks and and to explore. And Mm -hmm. that's how we're going to get more than 800 hospitals all over the world is by having someone who's a partner who understands the importance of you and lets you have that that vision and lets you have those callings and mm-hmm. um you know very much very much my vision very much my dream very much my baby but um he has come in and and made it something perfect yeah um, he has made it the the medical side of everything flawless and he's enabled me by being willing to watch our daughter and stay with her and to let me mm-hmm. travel and to let me um do these things it, it's a blessing um yeah we met when we were so young. It's so funny. We were all, I was only 15 when I met him and we were friends for so long. Yeah. Um, he was in PA school. I was getting ready to start PA school and just um, the way it all collided. But yeah, I, I have I have the dream when it comes to family. <laughs> That's incredible. And I just I Rob's incredible. Like you guys, your whole dynamic is just really, really beautiful because you do have this like this partnership, this balance, like where you're more of like the dreamer, the entrepreneur, he's like, okay, this is how we're going to make your dreams happen. And that is such an important dynamic to find. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's, that's very special. Thank you so much. So I like to do this little segment called everything is pulsable. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Little play on words. Yeah. yeah. Um, so there's absolutely no limit. Um, what, what do you want to do with your life? 
absolutely no limit whatsoever no limit whatsoever yeah everything's possible yeah (laughs) (laughs) and I feel like that's the way I live it's like I literally want to start 888 medical facilities all over the world powered by their own locals why 888 Um, it's my lucky number okay it's my god number it's yeah it's the way he's spoken to me I was born uh, like my daughter was born on eight eight two okay. plus zero plus one plus five is eight. Like, and that was our wedding date. None of that was oh, wild. ever okay. planned. But that's I love always signs. How shows <laughs> I know, right? Um, but yeah, it, the dream started with one. It moved to eight, and then eighty eight was a terrifying number. I was afraid to even say that. And someone just yeah. was like, "No, it's eight hundred and eighty eight. And so every time I, I I surround myself by more motivating people, the yeah. number gets bigger. But um, more than just a quantity or checking it off the list. What I want to do is to make my impact as big as I possibly can, not just with Mm -hmm. my own two hands, but I believe in inspiration. Like I love that maybe, maybe 10 people will listen to this podcast Mm -hmm. and they'll go and start even bigger things. And I'll never know that they listened to this and they were inspired by this, but I keep doing opportunities like this because I don't think that 888 goes from me going and getting a bunch of shovels and, and, and visas to enter these countries. I think that inspiration is so much just living a life that you're proud of that energizes Mm -hmm. you that you wake up and want to live every single day and I know that like it's it's boundless whenever yeah whenever you are just doing what sets your heart on fire inspiring other people to do the exact same thing Mm -hmm. but I've gotten on this kick of we have to um when you do slow down, because I'm such an impulsive person, I would just yeah. want to help this person, help this person, help yeah. this person, help this person. And, um, but I'm, I've gotten really into modularizing, planning, uh, putting things on autopilot so that one day someone can pick up a book, yeah. uh, a plan, a strategy. You can go and start your own hospital in whatever yeah. country in the world you want to, because we have, we know what works. Mm-hmm. We know, um, you got a franchise yeah, OV. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, just enabling people to do something really big for the world and handing it to them. Mm -hmm. Because I know for me, having to build this place brick by brick was really hard. Yeah. But it doesn't have to be because these countries are equipped. We don't have to be that savior if we, if we work effectively, if we go in and we show people, okay, like, did you know that, you know, widowed mothers are really good at taking care of orphans and sick children? Yeah. Maybe not, but that's part of our business plan. Yeah. And so I put so much effort into developing plans and, and things to help people put things into autopilot so that we can solve the problem. Mm-hmm. I'm huge on, I, I, I try not, it's so good for grants and blah, blah, blah to keep statistics, but I want yeah. to solve the problem. If the number yeah. goes down every year, that's okay because, yeah. because these children are getting better. Maybe, yeah. maybe we're preventing the illnesses. Um, yeah. We want to access as many children as possible, but keeping the nonprofit world as a humanitarian service there's so much um I like to bring light to this because I feel like there isn't a lot of light on it it's a hard Mm -hmm. thing to talk about but a lot of us go into the nonprofit world and we build them like companies you have to you have to yeah Um, and but we forget that we're all after the same goals and it becomes Mm -hmm. competitive and give to my organization and not this organization it can't be that way yeah like when I find a child that's been locked in a closet for seven years dying Mm -hmm. I wish someone would have found them sooner my organization doesn't have to be the only organization to find people and that's why I think inspiring people convincing people to believe in themselves because that Mm -hmm. is the only thing that sets anyone apart from anyone else I promise because I did not believe in myself for so much of my life and I was not I was maybe doing something for a few people, but when I started waking up and knowing my power, knowing Mm -hmm. that I could stand by someone in a grocery line and say, oh, well, why not? Yeah. Just like one person saying, well, why not? Yeah. Look like what it unleashed in me, knowing the power of your words, not demeaning it. Like, who cares? Maybe that guy has never, I, I don't know who that guy was who said that to me. Maybe he's yeah. never done anything else with his life. Maybe he's yeah. sitting there with a bag of Doritos and Netflix right now feeling like he hasn't changed the world in any way. Yeah. Like he's wrong. He's lying yeah. to himself. He has changed the world just by saying two words to me. Yeah. And knowing that all of us have that within us, mm-hmm. it should wake us all up excited. Yeah. I don't care how many of your plans fall through. You might change the world with two words that you say and just mm-hmm. keeping that mindset yeah so in whole if I could do absolutely anything it would just be continuing to inspire people not being afraid to connect and, and to network yeah. and to put myself in a position where um 
these children's voices are heard. Right. And not even just that, but where people believe in the power of their own voice. If I can mm-hmm. convince people to go out and do what they're capable of, yeah, because 99.9% of people are not doing what they're capable of. Practical yeah, there's so much thinking, hate language in this world. The world will never yeah. change with practical thinking. We have right. to be dreamers. We have mm-hmm. to push ourselves. We have to do things that are terrifying. If people think you're going to be good at it, there's no success in it. Like right. do something that everyone thinks you're going to fail at. That's what, yeah. that's what I do yeah. every single day. And when someone thinks I can do it, I have to make it a little bit bigger. Yeah. That's why 888. When things are uncomfortable. <laughs> that's something that it'll get out, edited out of a lot of the media is like yeah. that number because they don't want to look like they're interviewing a manic girl, but have those yeah. crazy dreams. Yeah. You know, it's not just one. Like we're all, we're all capable of thousands. We're all mm-hmm. capable of, of, of using what's in us to inspire yeah. other people to change the world. Well, you've definitely been inspiring me uh, this whole trip. I'm so glad we finally got to meet in person. Yes, me too. Um, where can uh, people find you to like volunteer, donate or? Yeah. So it's O-B-I childrenshospital.org. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, Instagram, Facebook. Yes, and in, Instagram and Facebook, it's all OVI Children's Hospital. It's pronounced OV Children's Hospital, but if you're typing it in, OVI Children's Hospital. Okay. And do you want people to follow you and kind oh, of see please. like your personal mission and yes, stuff too? Yes. So my name is Amy, and then my last name is H E H R E. Okay. H E H R E. It's pronounced Hera, like Sarah, but with an H at the beginning. Yeah. What are your biggest needs at the hospital right now? Yeah, so we need advocates. We need ambassadors. We have a wonderful ambassador program where you can Mm -hmm. be anywhere in the world, anywhere in the world, any country, and using whatever network you have, we equip you for sharing these stories, for for tapping into that, um, for making your own impact. We need Mm -hmm. volunteers. We need visitors to come on these trips and to share and and to experience. Um, We believe, we really believe in coming. Um, We are as much as we've talked about all this white savior yeah. and blah, 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 but there is so much power in coming and seeing for yourself mm-hmm. and becoming passionate about it. So we want people yeah. to fill up those trips. We want people yeah. to come on them and to take the pictures and to go back and to share the stories, use your blog, use your vlog, use whatever you can yeah. to, to get the word out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then of course, sponsors, we yeah. love for people to get involved with our units. So yeah. kind of an effort to, um, exactly what I said. It's easy. The temptation is there even, you know, even for us, yeah. someone giving $500 a month for the care of a child with cancer. And, yeah. you know, we still let people in those really tricky cases sponsor a child, but we want you to sponsor a unit and we don't yeah. want you to feel bad about doing that. And we don't mm-hmm. want you to feel like your money isn't really going to an individual child because it is every yeah. single child in there, yeah. but you're becoming attached to anywhere from 10 to 12 children in that unit. So you yes. can pick Neverland, you can pick Sleeping Beauty's Castle and you're meeting all of them and you're mm-hmm. celebrating when they get to go home and you're yeah. celebrating whenever, um, whenever they make it through chemotherapy or whenever they learn how to walk and, and mm-hmm. being okay with that shifting yeah. from the dynamic of like having this one child to having children, you know, and, yeah. and having a community, other people who sponsor that unit with you. Mm-hmm. It's such a special thing that yeah. we're trying to, um, we'd love for other orphanages and to kind of shift to that model too, because we think it's so much safer mm-hmm. um, for the children. And so becoming a unit sponsor, like picking your, yeah. picking your team, picking your unit, visiting these children. Um, yeah. We even let people like Facebook call or Skype, mm-hmm. like we've set up a whole lab of tablets for kids to connect with their sponsors. Wow. Um, and so, yeah, sponsorship, advocation through the ambassador program and, mm-hmm. and volunteering in person. Those are yeah. probably the three biggest needs we have right now. If anyone has like the capability of like donating like medical supplies or like um, clothes or blankets, you know, like, is that like a need or anything at the yeah, hospital? Yeah, it's possible. Um, we have to pack it into suitcases oh, and, okay. and we bring it over to the visitors. Oh, so, okay. So yeah, um, there's a little bit of regulations on what we can bring through because mm-hmm. of customs in Texas. Yeah. But um, yeah, no, as much as possible, and especially if you're coming on a trip, we love yeah. to give you a list of like exactly what we need. And oh, what that's perfect. Are. Yeah. There's there's truly something very special about you. And that's part of why I love, and I feel like I say this in like every episode, why I love getting to talk to all these women is that everyone has a story. Everyone has a passion. Mm -hmm. And I want, I want this podcast to continue to inspire people. Like, like 
oh my God, I just listened to this episode with Amy and she's doing all this. That's mm-hmm. incredible. Or I just listened to this episode about this doctor who has survived breast cancer and she wrote a book about it. Like I can do, like mm-hmm. I can do that. Mm-hmm. You know, I love being able to inspire people. And there's something very, very special about you that doesn't come around very often. Yeah. So I am very, I'm very grateful for your heart. I'm grateful for Instagram. I'm grateful for, um, Again, that magical person who, <laughs> please DM me again and tell me if you are the yes. one who told me about Amy. <laughs> please, I would um, love to know you too. Yeah, but I just, I feel like I've found like a great new friend and kindred yes. spirit. And I um, plan on coming over to work with Ovi and you um, and hopefully bring a few people along with me to to help out where I can too. Yeah. So. And even, even down to sharing, like sharing this podcast, you know, yeah, I think that's yeah. so important. People realizing you don't even have to get on a plane. You don't even have to do something huge. Mm-hmm. Like look at the one person who said something to you and now my story yeah. is here and now how many yeah. people will it touch? It's not just yes. us. It's not just me sitting down and doing the podcast. It's a chain of It's effect. the one person yeah. who reached out yeah. who, who now all of these listeners get to hear this story and be yeah. inspired. It's not just me telling the story. It's the person who told you to, you know, yeah. it's you It's you leading the story. It's yeah. the person who gave the tip. It's, so remembering that impact, mm-hmm. knowing that even sharing a podcast could inspire someone yes. to do something. Exactly. So. It's so beautiful. All right. Well, I can't wait to work with you. There's a renewed fire in me again. (laughs) I feel like that happens every time I meet someone new and it's just, it's so inspiring. So, um, yeah, I guess I have a safe flight back to, to Kenya when you, when you head on back, but, um, we'll, we'll be in touch. We will. I'm looking so (laughs) forward to it. It's going to be great. Kenya's going to be amazing. I love it there. It's truly one of the most special places I've ever been in my life. I can't wait to have you. All right, guys, I hope that provided a little break from everything y'all have been facing. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the pod and share it with your friends. Follow along on at the WOMED and don't forget to follow at OVI Children's Hospital and at Amy Hera, that's A-M-Y-H-E-H-R-E on Instagram. You can learn more about OV through either of those handles, or you can head to ovinternational.org to learn more about how to donate or volunteer or sponsor a child. Thank you again, you guys, for all that you do and for taking time to listen to the WOMED. Don't forget to DM me your nurse to energy moments for a chance to be featured during that segment. Stay strong, you guys. We'll all get through this together. Womad out. <laughs>